Hello, I'm Rachel. I'm Victoria. And I'm Farron. We've been friends and classmates since childhood with a common love for good books. Join us as we revisit the books from our literature class days, timeless reads, and everything in between. Let's go back to lit class. Welcome back to Back to Lit Class, everyone. We're just going to start off with some almost announcements. Does that take you back to high school morning announcements? Yeah. Welcome, Rachel and Farron. Hey. Hello. Hey, so we were talking about what our vision is the next, you know, four or five episodes or whatever. And we are decided on doing a series of unfortunate events, the bad beginning for our next book read. And then we also have some interviews planned. We're working on getting the logistics worked out when we're going to fit those in. Is it going to be a bonus episode? All that. But look forward to seeing some interviews in the next few episodes. And then also in April, Farron is going to be picking our book because April is also her birthday month. So we are going to pick a book for the month that it is our birthday. Yeah. And my requirement to do that is that it has to be less than a thousand pages because you guys read some hefty books. I promised that it would be under 600. (laughs) I should have said like less than 500. (laughs) You really should have because a thousand is kind of crazy. That's like Musashi level. Just give me at least a couple months to... Like read Ed because it will take me a long time. Okay, and I'm not you. a slow reader. I'm not a slow reader, guys. I'm actually really fast, <laughs> and I'm not good at audiobooks. I was like, you gotta get those audiobooks in. Mm-hmm. That's how you get them in? That's how I got of mice and men in audiobook. Was the audiobook good for mice and men? Uh, everything except for the first minute and the last minute, where there was a random harmonica playing so loudly that you couldn't <laughs> hear the words. <laughs> It was so obnoxious. I it, it went on for so long that I thought the whole book was going to be that. <laughs> that it was going to be three and a half hours of harmonica over the, the talking, the dialogue. Did you listen to it on like a faster speed? No, I can't do that. Oh, okay, I was going to say it makes the music terrible when you do that. No, it was just really, really loud. Just bad editing. I don't like when you make books faster and it distorts their voice. I always listen to it faster. At least 1.2. That's the slowest I'll go. Give me the full 24 hours. It's so long. Too much. I need to shorten it somehow. I need to feel like I'm taking a shortcut. (laughs) All right. So let's dive into today's book of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck. Rachel had the job of giving us a little summary and some little facts about the book. So, Rachel, do you want to get into that for us? All right. So, Of Mice and Men is a novella, which I'm not really sure what the technical difference between a novel and a novella is, but it is a short 105 pages published in 1937 by John Steinbeck. It tells the story of two friends, George Milton and Lenny Small, during the Great Depression in the United States. George and Lenny are an unusual team of migrant ranch workers who have just left their latest ranch um, because of an incident with Lenny, 
who is mentally disabled and are heading towards their next job, which is the setting for the remainder of the story. I think the story is best summed up with a quote from Steinbeck's journal in 1938. He wrote, in every bit of honest writing in the world, there is a base theme. Try to understand men. If you understand each other, you will be kind to each other. Knowing a man well never leads to hate and nearly always leads to love. And I just really love that quote. And I think it really does summarize his writing in a lot of his novels, but especially in this one. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I almost skipped the introduction to this book because I don't always love to read those, but I did read this one and that's where that quote came from. That is where the book is lacking, apparently, because I hear that. It just went straight into the harmonicas. (laughs) (laughs) You got an introduction in your book? Yeah. There were also a lot of really fun facts about this book. There were, of course, lots of adaptations. Like There was a film adaptation and a movie adaptation. But there was also an opera adaptation in 1969, which I thought was interesting. (laughs) And Yeah, I saw that. I thought that was interesting, too. They said, supposedly... Steinbeck's dog ate the first draft of his of this book yeah which like can you imagine I don't know I <laughs> so mad I don't know and then he had like he rewrote it all good thing it yeah. was short and the original title that he had for this book was just simply something that happened <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm really glad he went with something else <laughs> yeah it is better yeah, I think I think it's a very meaningful title. Like once you read the whole book and think back to the title of the book, it makes a lot more sense and ha- holds a lot more meaning. He took it from a, a poem. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say, I can't remember what it was called, but it was yeah. like a line in a poem. Yeah. You guys know more about him than I do, apparently. I also did not read this one in high school, so maybe I didn't get this You didn't though. read the book in high school? What, no. what is this podcast all about? Why are we here again? I'm sorry. Yeah, so now we can't ask you what you thought of it then and now. But honestly, I really loved reading this book. And I didn't remember the end of this book, which is also sad because I've read it in the last probably 10 years. I've read it and still did not remember the end of it. Really? Which is like the whole point. That's the thing <laughs> I remember about it. <laughs> it is. So you didn't, what... Victoria, so you didn't know it was going to happen this nope. time. I why you cried to literally had zero knowledge of what to expect going into this book i did know that lenny was mentally challenged i do remember hearing people talk about that in high school i remember hearing i was in a different english class than the majority of our class was and i do remember in homeroom hearing people talk about like we're reading of mice and men and talking about lenny other than that i had no idea uh, this is a spoiler. The whole episode's a spoiler, but I didn't realize that Curly's wife died, that Lenny killed Curly's wife. I think in my mind, I thought that he was just being accused of rape or assault and not that he killed her. And that's why he was running, which is what happened at the first ranch, but not. Yeah, I don't know how you didn't grasp that. I don't know either. And that it would have been talked about. Yeah. No, it definitely would have. I just didn't remember it. I wasn't paying attention or I was confusing it with other books or even within this one. But I gotcha. 
there were a lot of other things that I missed. Like the just the bigger themes. I think what stood out to me when I read it this time was the theme of loneliness. Mm-hmm. And not just, it's like there are like several characters within the book where it talks about how each of them were kind of lonely in a different way. That stood out to me as well during this time that everyone was really lonely and I don't think anyone felt very understood, Mm -hmm. which creates loneliness. (laughs) Yeah, Um, right. That goes back to his quote of try to understand men. If you understand each other, you'll be kind to each other. It definitely made the book sadder. Just kind of recognizing the loneliness in each individual. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was going to say it definitely. the uh, Once they got to the rant and more characters were being introduced and what was the old man's name? Candy. 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 I was Candy. earlier. When he like was jumping in on the vision of getting their own farm basically and was dreaming and and scheming and tallying up and figuring and like that was when it really started to hit me the sadness of the book the desperation Mm -hmm. of all of these characters that part was what really solidified that this book was going to make me really sad yeah and they were all like wanting camaraderie like they wanted and they kept commenting how it was uncommon for men to travel together Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of the quotes that I wrote down was, ain't many guys travel around together, he mused. I don't know why. Maybe everybody in the whole world is scared of each other. Scared of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So. And even, yeah, I don't know. I think you even see that scared, that feeling of being scared with, they kind of kept everyone at an arm's length, you know, even Curly's wife, like, don't get near, don't get near this person, don't get near this person, because closeness would be vulnerability. Whereas if you just keep to yourself, you can kind of feel safe. And lonely. <laughs> and lonely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought the power dynamics were interesting as well this time around. And how if there is ever an opportunity for someone to take power, then they would. Like I was just thinking of the time when Lenny was in Crook's home, you know, telling him about the dream of his rabbits and his, you know his little farmland (laughs) and crook was just like putting him down for it because there was an opportunity to like it was like almost a power play yeah crooks being at a disadvantage is so clear to him and obvious where lenny doesn't fully understand that and so that's one thing i noted was that he clearly sees how him and lenny are similar in a way yeah and they're treated similarly I mean, they are also treated differently because Lenny, he's not the same in some ways as his peers. He still gets to live in the bunkhouse with the other ranchers, whereas Crooks is in his own, even further separated from the rest in his own, in the barn on his own. Yeah. I think something that stood out to me reading it, obviously, for the first time was that George really had a lot of compassion for Lenny. You know, he reiterates so many times that he's not very harsh language, that he's not that bright. Like, he doesn't have a lot of smarts, but he's a good worker. He's a hard worker. He takes direction well. Just tell him what to do and he can do it. He's stronger than most men. He can do more. And it even points out in the book when he gives Lenny those compliments, especially when talking about Lenny to other people. 
that Lenny like grins really big or something and you can just tell that's not something that he gets told a lot he just gets told how much of a nuisance or a problem how he lacks that he doesn't get built up a lot and even though I was very shocked in the beginning to hear the language and how mean they talked to him he still had the most compassion for him and you could tell that he really cared about him because again why would he travel along with him I thought that they were related I thought that they were brothers or something in the beginning of the book I didn't realize they had no relation no I think he tells someone that they're cousins or that they are yeah they really are he says they're cousins but they're not yeah I remember thinking I thought they were related too even though I don't know I I had already read it before I was like I couldn't remember how their connection but it was it like just family friends. Yeah. yeah. How did you guys feel about the the way that Curly's wife, who is an unnamed character, how do you feel like she was treated? Well, she was unnamed, which stuck out a lot. And I guess Steinbeck did that purposely to make her to make us not like her more or something like not naming her on purpose. She's supposed so to be like this villainous character kind of. Mm, so you weren't attached to her you didn't feel as much for her being maybe accidentally but i still thought yeah i still thought it was interesting that he like i mean curly had a name and he was Mm -hmm. the antagonist i think i did see it as a way of making her less than because i don't know if it does it ever even i don't think any of the characters are all good Maybe except Lenny, pure in their motive, always doing the right thing. But she really is given this role without, I don't know how much merit, I don't know. I didn't, I felt more compassion for her and her character than I think I was expecting. Because I think I read it through all the names that they call her and just the awful things that they say about her. When, was there any action behind what they were saying? Like, did she ever do anything promiscuous or she was just flirtatious yeah giving them the eye yeah they keep calling it they call the eye but they call she's got the eye which i mean even the scene where she winds up dying she wasn't i didn't get any like promiscuous like her searching out anything in that respect from lenny it was simply just i'm lonely you're someone i can talk to and she was trying to relate to him by saying, like, feel how soft right. my hair is. Like, mm-hmm. isn't it beautiful? And she's, like, trying to not necessarily get a compliment, but something that she values in herself. Yeah, she's trying to connect. That's kind of how I read it this time. Of like, she is very low, too. I mean, she's, again, similar to, like, you are in a house by yourself and are kind of not allowed to talk to anyone even on the ranch married to like a mean man mm-hmm. she opens up about that saying she married him after she was told she could be a star and she could have had such a better life and been doing something with herself he was nice at first but after two weeks of marriage or something like that he became mean and hurtful and controlling and so I think she yeah. just felt trapped and probably scared and alone and was just looking for a friend. But because of the time period, it wasn't appropriate 
to look for a friend in a male or in a quote lesser than person yeah i think her dream was she wanted to be an actress or like in shows and movies a movie star yeah her dream as a reader you can see how unattainable and how almost silly it seems similarly to how george and lenny Mm -hmm. and candy's like they kind of bring him into that their dream of having um a place of their own to work the land yeah it's very hopeless and Mm -hmm. it feels like it similar to you know like the american dream and just like kind of (laughs) a silly thing to reach for and it you know takes place during the great depression so Mm -hmm. of all the hopeless times of all the times of people dreaming for bigger and better i think the book really grasped that from all aspects yeah and during, I guess during this time, like the the jobs, the ranch hands were starting to be taken over by machinery too, and so it was getting harder to find those types of jobs. I, like I said, did not read this book in high school, so I did not have any real knowledge about the book. And I know I know that it's part of, and I knew it was part of the most banned books. I think it falls into the top 10 from some of the lists I've seen. Mm-hmm. So this is the second one that we've covered that falls into a top 10 most banned. To Kill a Mockingbird was one of them. And it, it falls into that for, you know, the content of racism violence language sexual assaults euthanasia also anti-business yeah all the all the good you know hot social topics which i think that wasn't as surprising to me but the the language was a little shocking that it was read or allowed to be curriculum in like a catholic high school i kind of thought that too i don't remember being phased by it though at all in high school yeah, I don't I don't either. I don't I, think I would have been phased by it, but like as an adult looking and I wouldn't have a problem with it. It's no worse than a lot of movies and shows and whatnot, especially if it's a junior or senior and it has a purpose. It's not just for, you know, I can't say what I want to say. <laughs> for poops and giggles. Yeah, for poops and giggles. Like there's a purpose of why the book is chosen and you know it it because it does such a good job in such a short book addressing so many good issues, good points of view, good good talking points. But I was, within the first maybe five minutes of listening to the book, like, people were reading this <laughs> in our school? The part that shocked me a lot more this go-around that I think made me more upset was when they forced Candy to put his dog down. They bullied him. That was really sad. Yeah, it was just, and he knew like that it was hopeless for him to try to not put his dog down. And then the comparison of the dog to a person, (laughs) like Lenny, because George just shot him like a dog. You know, like he's putting a dog down. I thought that was kind of uh, pretty offensive. Mm -hmm. And the dog is. Like a picture of how Candy was treated too as an older, somewhat physically, physically disabled person. Yeah, physically disabled with his missing hand. Yeah. Which is why he had no choice in the putting down of the dog because he yeah. was older and he was not the and one who he, had the power. He even yeah. said that 
when he leaves the rant, he would rather someone just put him out of his misery like like his dog to because he's not going to have anywhere to go. He doesn't have people to take care of him. He doesn't have he won't be able to get a job because of his age and his physical state within his hand. So I understand how back in that time period they could write comparing shooting a human who's mentally disabled to you know a dog just because they were not they were institutionalized and not taken care of hor- you know so many horrible things N- not saying that it's right i can just see basically the same way i can see why they wrote the female character the one female character in this book the way that they wrote her without giving her any- and because that was just a time period but it's horrible yeah i almost think that's a reason why books like this should be read is because we have to have know where we've come from we have, yeah we have to know what it was like even if it's not a perfect picture it still is like a little a glimpse into well how were people treated then and how are they treated now yeah and this book even like is you know i felt like steinbeck like in the quote that you read earlier he's written this book so that we would have a greater understanding for people and their situation like everyone's pretty different I mean I think there's a lot of different roles in the book and the goal is to be understood and like that's what he wants us he I think that's what he wanted to get at in the book but even with that idea in mind you can still you can easily tell the times in the writing the way that the characters are portrayed and the language around them would not be very permissible. <laughs> no. But yeah, I agree. I think it is important that we understand where we came from. I think that maybe we need to get a little bit better at accepting our past and maybe apologizing for it. Even if we didn't personally do it. Yeah. Something that I was thinking about with Curly and his relationship with Lenny is that he just flat out, I think he knew something was different about him. Obvi- like Obviously was automatically gonna bully him didn't get to know him pinned him as i'm gonna do stuff to this guy to get him like kicked off the ranch is what my kind of take from it was he had to have the upper hand yeah he didn't want anyone to be like better stronger harder worker and i'm assuming people got the vibe that lenny was different than them candy and and George, who had a relationship, and even probably Slim, who was their basically like manager, they all had more compassion for Lenny, more understanding that he sometimes didn't know better. He didn't understand what he was doing, whereas Curly didn't care. He was not going to gain that compassion or anything. And so the minute that I don't think he cared that his wife was killed, his immediate reaction was, I'm going to go kill that guy. Mm-hmm. But not, I don't think it was because really his wife was killed. It was more because now I have a chance to do something about this guy. And he wasn't going to hear anything about it being accidental or just if you guys just get out of here steinbeck actually worked on a ranch he was a ranch hand in california himself and while he was working on one of the ranches he met his inspiration for lenny's character and according to steinbeck this character he he steinbeck says he killed a ranch foreman and he because he got sore because the boss had fired his pal 
and stuck a pitchfork right through his stomach. Yikes. That's a good All time. Right. That's good inspiration, though. Have you guys seen the SNL skit with Bobby Moynihan of, of Mice and Men? No, but no. now I must look it up. No. It's so funny. I'll have to look that up after. Do you think that there that George could have made a different decision in that moment? This is what I'm what, confused What do about. you think he was truly motivated by in that decision? Was it truly compassion or do you think he was tired? Was he seeking power now? Like, was he seeking, like, was he playing compassionate, like, air quote, playing compassionate because he was losing control of Lenny and was running out of options? Why did he not tell? Why did George not tell the other ranch workers and Curly to look for Lenny in a different direction? Because he should have known where Lenny was going to be. I thought he did do that, which is why I'm confused. Because why I'm asking, do you think he had other choices in how he handled? He could have definitely gone on the run. Yeah, he definitely had other choices. It wouldn't have probably made for as good of a story. Well, yeah. As this, but he definitely could have made lots of different choices. But I think he thought he was being compassionate by saving Lenny from being... Like whatever the whatever like, they have done to him, like brutally murdered. Mm-hmm. So he like similarly to how they thought killing the dog, the old dog, old smelly dog, was compassionate. I think he genuinely probably did think this is the better option. The better option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's also hard not to see George just viewing it as an opportunity for him to move up. Or move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From this caretaker role. So what I was confused about in it is that when they asked him where he was, yeah. George said he would, after considering it for a time, he said he would have went south. We come from north, so he would have went south. But weren't they meeting back north where they came from? They were going back to that spot that they were at. So I was just confused mm-hmm. about that. That mm-hmm. is confusing. Yeah. And so I was like, uh, so how do they find also, him? Also, I'm pretty uh, sure Lenny was schizophrenic. It says that he, well, <laughs> it says that he... Um, not trying to diagnose anyone here, but he started talking to um, other things that he was seeing. Yeah. The, it says that he would have been diagnosed with, like, autism, I believe. That's what I read, if too. They, yeah. If they had to give it. I guess one. Just not heard. I mean, I guess you could have multiple diagnoses, especially with like trauma and stuff. But that, like, I was shocked at the end when he said he saw someone and was talking to them. Mm-hmm. And heard and was like having a full blown conversation. Yeah, I think that was brought about because of what had just happened. What he, like, what he had just done. Yeah, I feel like it was due to like stress. Yeah. Okay. It could have been like a psychosis moment or something. Okay. Just like because of stress. Are you guys ready for the pop quiz? I'm ready. Let's do yeah. it. Remember, you have to say ding and I must say your name. <laughs> It'll be better because we can see each other. Okay, but say the ding. You have to say the ding. <laughs> What if I say oh, dong? Victoria, I don't know how you know how podcasts work, but they can't see us. <laughs> yes, but what if I go ding? You can do Fair both. Both sees my hand move first. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> okay, ready. 
where did the story take place? Ding. Yes. California. Yes, but where in California? Ding on a rant. No. Ding. Yes. Somewhere close to Selena. I'll give it to you. Yeah, just south of Soledad. That's the city they were in. Oh, yes, of course. I read the book. (laughs) (laughs) So I do know that. I was like, no one's going to get this. No one pays attention to setting. (laughs) When I was reading this, I'm like, okay, I'm going to really try hard. Because there's only like, what, two pages of description of scenery. And I usually just zone out completely. Completely. I love it. I have no picture in my head whatsoever when it comes to scenery. I'm all about characters, relationships, that's it. And plot, obviously. But I'm like, okay, I'm going to focus. I'm going to really try hard. And a few sentences in, I realize I'm already zoning out. (laughs) (laughs) But I did better than usual, actually. You wouldn't have been able to zone out with mine with the harmonicas. (laughs) No, I just wouldn't be able to hear what they were saying. Okay, giving it to Rachel. Question number two. Why did George and Lenny have to leave the last ranch they were on? Ding. Oh, Lordy. Dang. Victoria. I'm sorry. Because he was accused of raping the woman with the velvet dress. Yes, I think that's right. I just said Lenny tried to feel a girl's soft dress. And then she freaked out. But he just touched her soft dress. And he wouldn't let go. Yeah, yeah. This is why education is so important. Anyway, number three. What is a cat house? Ding. Victoria. It's like a brothel, like a prostitution house. Yes. Okay, number four. What incident in their past made George stop playing jokes on Lenny? Ding. Victoria. (laughs) He jumped into like a lake or a river and he couldn't swim and he almost drowned. Yes. Final question. Victoria's already won, but here we go. Five. I bet all my points. <laughs> After killing Curly's wife, what pair does Lenny imagine chastising him in his delusional phase? His aunt? Ding. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rachel. Ding. Ding. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel. His aunt, Clara. Yes. And aunt. Lenny and George? No. A rabbit? Yes. <laughs> okay. A giant rabbit. Those are really good questions, Farron. I researched really hard on them. <laughs> I didn't. No, I didn't, but I picked the best ones. Good no. Job. <laughs> right what? Google. Quiz I, of mice and men. I searched through like 25 questions. That's pretty good. Yes. Victoria won. Congratulations. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I can't be my saying. We got to cut it out. <laughs> Oh, man. Congratulations. So we're going to end the episode how we normally end with something we are loving. So, Baron, start us off. Okay. Well, (laughs) it's something I'm simultaneously loving and hating at the same time. But I have been cooking a lot more. And I'm really proud of myself for doing it and coming up with new recipes or just copying them from the internet. Um, but I finally found some good ones and I'm pretty happy about that. But I still hate cooking and I just can't help it. Pictures of the food you sent look delicious, especially those cheesecakes. Yeah. Did those have real dairy in them, Farron? No. They were, it was cashew based and then coconut milk. Let me tell you though, they turned out terrible. Don't make them. 
Okay. <laughs> as soon as you said they were cashew-based cheesecake. Could have told, told you that. Red flag. It's <laughs> just like, it's also, it doesn't freeze right. It had decent flavor. It's the texture. It's, it's all bad. off. doesn't work. Uh, Rachel, what are you loving? <laughs> so I am loving going to the gym, but for all the right reasons. Like walking on the treadmill and watching Seinfeld because that is what I do at the gym. <laughs> That's great. Love it. It is. I walk on the treadmill. I have gone over to the weight section, but not like the legit intense weight section. I'm not there yet. You're just exploring. I'm just like looking at it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> walk by it. You just touch. You're like, like no, no touching equipment. <laughs> That's too much. I walk straight to the circuit, which does have weights. Like I've been doing some weights, which is good, but it's like where the old ladies are. So I fit right in. Yeah. The old ladies and I, we do our circuit on the weights and we all wiped out our equipment because we are responsible gym goers. <laughs> I'm really bad about that. And go to Chick-fil-A and get milkshakes. <laughs> As your reward. As my reward. It's like a reward. Victoria, what are you loving? I guess, I don't know. Did I talk about loving my Kindle on our last episode? I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm a, it's official. I officially love my Kindle. So much so that I read my first physical book since owning a Kindle and got real confused when the page wouldn't turn when I was tapping it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Broken. I was like, what is wrong? Oh, <laughs> this book takes more work. Um, so that, I'm really loving the Kindle. Uh, don't know why I was so hesitant for so long to get one. I just, I, I didn't think I would use it enough. And now that I'm reading more, it also makes reading way more convenient. So... I think that's also why I've read so many more books. You're not lugging around your um, thousand page books. Yeah. And when I'm done with a book, I can immediately find another one right away. I don't have to wait until I go to the library or go to the bookstore, order one online. So that and oat milk lattes. I've been Mm. loving those. Do you drink oat milk lattes hot or iced? Both. Like almond milk. Oat milk gives more of the creamy consistency. Almond milk is too watery, and coconut milk tastes like (laughs) (laughs) poo-poo. It tastes like coconut. Yeah. Oat milk is very bland. It has no flavor. It takes on just like milk. Yeah. I don't mind oat milk in iced drinks, but I... I'm a real milk fan. I specifically also really like half and half. It's like cream mm-hmm. over 2% or something. I like the oat milk. I recently made my own oat milk. That's something also I've been... And I made hamburger buns. All right. Thanks for joining us on this special episode of Back to Lit Class. We are excited for next month's episode, which will be The Bad Beginning from a series of unfortunate events. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Every time I make pancakes is with my breast milk. Are you serious? Oh my word. Do people know that you're using that? I tell them they don't care.
you can't eat at everybody's house. No, you can't eat at everybody's house. My note says, she died? I don't know how you missed it. A pinch of salt, lots of love, and lots and lots of breast milk. <laughs> and the later it gets, the more I just laugh. The earth moves around the sun, right? He's basically like that Charlie Brown teacher when he starts sciencing me. Psych! Don't put that in. I, I should know that the earth moves around no. the sun. Oh, it's too late. Well, oh, no, you're wearing a robe now. That was the week I thought I was really beautiful. I was going to say it. Well, I don't know. If we ever make any money, who get the most? You should totally know what pancakes, pancakes, pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> it's free.